Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. My name is Joshua Fredland, and it's been another week of rugby. Um, with me tonight are Craig Udali. You can find him at MM Flyhalf on Twitter, and John Cullen, and you can find him at Johnny Utah four five six. How are you guys doing tonight? It was a stressful day, but I'm ready to podcast. Johnny, how did you come up with four five six? I've always wondered that. Is that uh, is there a significance to that, or you just found three sequential numbers and stuck with it? Um, yeah, pretty much. I think like. Eight was taken for whatever reason, and yeah, I figured all the other numbers that I wear got to go in order, so that's always kind of cool. All right, nice. Josh, how'd you decide on lead speak as your uh, language of your Twitter handle? I, you know, I figured it was two common names put together. You know, you had Josh and Fred, and it was like that's probably going to be taken, so you know, I'll just put a zero and a three in there. All right. There you go. Little, little Get information for our... Say again? Should have went with a Cam Newton font. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I will never do that, ever. All right. Should we rug? Yeah. You know, uh, first up, we're just going to go previous last week's results, see what you guys thought of the games. You know, first up, Friday, last Friday night, we had the New England Free Jacks. Beating the old, beating Old Glory DC forty-one to twenty-five. Um, excuse me, DC finally got some, you know, reinforcements in and um, in their fly half and their wing. I, for names are escaping me at the moment. You know, they looked good for what fifty minutes and then fell off. Yeah, similar to, to Week One, uh, where Atlanta really ran it up in the second half. Um, yeah, but look, I mean, Old Glory, there there was a play in that game, I recall, where I forget who it was on New England. It may have been uh, – wasn't Bodine Walker. I forget, I forget who it was. But somebody just got a, a first-phase pass, and it was like the defending 22-meter line for Old Glory. And first-phase ball, guy just ran right through the middle of the defense. Four tackles fell off, and he scored a try. It's like, I mean, we're just not going to be able to compete if that's the level of defense you're bringing. So, you know, it's good to see Old Glory, you know, improving a, a little bit maybe on the attack and a little more organized. But right now their defense has just been a real disappointment. And uh, they're obviously not going to be competitive and they're giving up 40 points a game every week. Uh, so, you know, they're, they got to look look to themselves and see if there's something they can do to correct that real quick if they want to stay competitive this year. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not a, a ton to add you know, off these first three performances with them. It was nice to see a little bit of um, execution and a little bit of fight for a little longer, especially against, you know, if you take the positives, right, if New England seems to be the class of the East right now, um, a lot of that will be answered this weekend, which will be, which is exciting. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that. But, I mean, you can take a positive, but, yeah, I don't, yeah, old, I don't know. There's, I don't, I don't have anything really great to say for it. It's going to be rough. Like it's going to be a rough season because we'll touch on this with a couple teams and um, because there's a couple teams struggling right now. There's not, I always say like, find one thing you're good at and just hold on to that for dear life. And I'm not seeing that with old glory of one thing they're just really good at and things aren't working. So they still got to find that then build on that. And that's going to be tough. Yeah. You know, it was especially disappointing for the fans after, you know, some of the performances they put in last year. So, you know, they'll definitely have to find something and get going on it. So moving on to our next game, you know, rugby divided New York, beating Atlanta 36 to 31. Um, you know, it ended up being a great game to watch, you know, just as a, a rugby fan in general, you know, back and forth, Andrew Coe having a standout performance. Um, Alex Mon being, you know, showing why he, he could potentially be selected for Eagles duty if he keeps it up. You know, just great all-around performances by both squads. Yeah. 
Go ahead, go ahead, Johnny. Kick us off. I'll, I'll save my New York, uh, my New York comments for last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought it was great. Um, I, I, I tweeted out. I was, you know, this will be this will be my one jab at New York. Here you go. Thank you, Atlanta and ATL for that stadium switch and the production value. And when you watch an uh, ATL home game, I'd say <clears throat> similar to a Starfire. Obviously, I'm very biased and similar similar to a Zions Bank Stadium. It feels like you're watching a pro game, which is awesome. I, I don't think I'll, I'll state that until every team's playing in a stadium and it's it's not noticeable. But shout out to ATL for that. But other than that, um, great game, great game by both teams. Honestly, I mean, it's hard to take away from both. That was just a bat, an absolute battle. Um, that was my game of the week. I don't I don't know if if the MLR gives that out or, or how they do. But for me, that was game of the week. That was awesome to see those two teams go at it. I think it, I think it's one of those games that didn't really answer any questions. Like New York came out with a win, which was awesome, but it's not like it was some cemented thing that New York is better. At, you know what I mean? It was just one of those games where New York got the win, but like I don't think it answered anything or settled anything. Yeah. I mean, it was it was entertaining. It was back and forth. I think there was like at one point a twenty-one point run for Atlanta to to go from way behind to in the lead. Um, but I, I mean, I agree clearly. They they came out. It was so close to the very end. It's like a boxing match where you immediately want to rematch because it's not. There's no definitive, you know, superior side. Um, I don't know if you guys are seeing this, and if you read my column, you you heard me talk about this a little bit this week. But I think. There's something that I'm trying to distinguish what's different about Atlanta this year than from the Scott Lawrence regime. And they seem to be trying to do everything faster, which I think is generally a good thing. I mean, you typically think of doing things faster as being better, but they're almost so fast with the outside edge of their defensive rush that they're getting into the backfield, which can be good. I mean, I think it was causing a lot of pressure on New York. They had some handling errors. I think as a result of that, but I feel like every meaningful play New York had came because that rush came in so fast that they were able to, the New York were able to just like take an extra step, hold the ball a second longer, get somebody through that line. Even if it was just an arm for an offload, but now they got the ball past the defensive line and then they would have huge runs after that. Um, so I think we're almost in this unusual case where I think rugby ATL played very well, but they're almost too fast. I mean, they got to stay, they got to keep, I think, that outside defensive line integrity a little better and not just break up into chaos if they're going to run that far in, into the backfield of New York. Um, I think Ed Fido has been the acquisition. Sure. I mean, this guy looks unstoppable. He, he has such balance. He goes into every potential tackle. Like, he could pass or he could keep running, and he doesn't even seem to lose a step. Uh, so he's really helped New York, who I think don't have that many attacking options that are really working right now, but they're scoring a lot of points. I think a lot of that is coming from the wing. Um, you know, uh, Atlanta had the better of the scrum, uh, I thought, a little, a, a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, like like Johnny said, I mean, it was, it was close. They played a very good game. Uh, I think these two, you know, obviously New England is in the mix too, but it, it seems like between Atlanta and New York and New England, there are early indications that they're going to uh, kind of run away towards the top end of the East. Like last year, the East was so close all year, and the West was more bifurcated. I feel like we have the opposite this year, where the East is starting to bifurcate a little early, where the West looks super close. Yeah, am I am I the only one that had no idea? This is it, Fido, Fido, or Fido? I think it's Some, it's something Fido. like that. Yeah. Am I the only one that had like no idea who this dude was? And like that he he, he was a, he was a big player on the seven series for a couple of years. Okay, and I know he was he was you know Samoa wasn't and he was he was part of the class that got them into the quarters a couple of times. He's he's been uh, okay. a key player for them. Yeah, gotcha. All right, because I, I remember they announced it when they signed him. Oh, I didn't know. And then I watch him play. I was like, "Who is this dude? He is here to cause problems." Yeah, he he, he kind of reminds me of like a taller John Ryberg, just a little bit. Yeah, I think he has a very similar sort of game to Ryberg. I get muscular but fast. 
uh, outside, but I, I would say he, he maybe has a better like offload passing threat than Ryberg even has. Uh, but similar, I mean, he, honestly, like this is a, a blasphemous thing to even mention. He's almost like a little MLR Jonah Lomu through a couple weeks, just like this big, fast winger that seems very hard to attack. Yeah, it's it's a stretch, but that's like the feel of it. You know, he's like this just powerful winger that no one seems to be able to defend. Would you say that if he wasn't wearing a Rooney jersey? There's no way to know that. There's no way to know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the heartbreaker for Nola, as described by our friend Benjamin Haswell. You know, close losses, 0-3 with all of them coming at home. You know, losing to this one was Toronto 24-23 to over Nola. You know, it's definitely a heartbreaker. What, what do you guys think is up with them? You know, they, they are putting in good performances. I just – it almost seems like they just can't finish. Well, uh, shout out to all the dads over there, either Kane Thompson or Nate or any of those guys were not messing or out there not messing with the shadow man anymore. And they've lost all their voodoo NOLA New Orleans magic that ruined everyone else's day, and they would beat them in the last minute and everyone would leave New Orleans shaken. And now they're getting a taste of their own medicine for the first couple games of this year. Uh, and I only say that because I got to speak with Sean with Fitz with Sean Fitzgerald uh, yesterday about some stuff on the team, and he was actually the first person to to mention that to me that for the first couple years it was it was them pulling out these wild crazy wins at the end in the gold mine and all this stuff, and now they're uh, they. Uh, the, uh, the the check is coming is coming back to be cashed on Nola is what it seems like they're they're not getting any good bounce. Maybe it turns out Holden Younger was actually a voodoo doll this whole time. <laughs> With him gone, they struggle. I actually, I, I mean, I didn't really. It's like the opposite of rugby Atlanta and and rugby New York. I didn't actually think either side played great in this game. Uh, you know, again, I, I just I don't find. I find Nola has a lot of individual plays and performances that are impressive and look good, but they're still to me lacking an overall kind of team direction. Like someone who's pulling the attack in some coherent way that's building on itself phase after phase, as opposed to like, it's like they have a random play. You know, they're asking Madden after every phase, what play to run. They just get a random play. That's what it feels like. Um, I thought I thought of anyone Toronto actually had more of an improvement week over week to me, um, but still I mean obviously it's good for Toronto to win on the road you know in the East uh, barely, but uh, I have to imagine they're not feeling in terribly confident either uh, with the start of the season and just eking out this win over who is now a, a winless Nola side. Um, and again, like, I think the East is as I just said bifurcating, and both of these teams Toronto and Nola are facing, you know, falling out of a, a competitive race for the playoffs early. If, uh, you know, they can't kind of kick it up a notch. Yeah. You know, I think there's been a couple teams with disappointing performances this year. You know, they are there, but there's they're missing that last little bit. And I, I definitely think Noel is one of those teams. You know, next up, I think, John, you mentioned New York and ATL is your game of the week. I, I kind of want to say Houston and Dallas is mine. You know, I end up being a great – great game in the former Texas Rangers stadium, you know, up high, high camera angles. You could see more of the action, you know, Houston ended up winning 38 to 33 on um, a last, literally last second Christian Dyer try. Um, we saw, uh, you know, a red card. We saw a couple of yellow cards, questionable yellow card. Um, so what did you guys think? Like, Craig, why don't you you start us off here? I know you know some people are like, "Hey, Jackals maybe actually showing us something here." Yeah, I, I like him more and more every week. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a fatal flaw to the Jackals right now, in my view, which is the scrum. I mean, the scrum has just gotten worked every every week. It's not even like holding up for even a, a second. I mean, you know, as soon as the ball's in play, it's not like it's not even like they're not even maintaining their shape or their pressure and like. I'll go off on a tangent of watching watching their scrum, but it's like, how are you not addressing it? Like they're setting up their scrum and they're going into stuff like they're they're almost trying to attack, 
but they're not. And then you just see like the ripple just go through the entire scrum and they're on, and you're like, there's just so many things you could do when you know your scrum's under pressure like that. And it's such a big thing. There's so many things you can do to maintain either hold your pressure, hold the spot. Don't fight shift. the. This is Craig's turn, but like, it's so frustrating to watch that when I'm just like, just, Oh my God. It's frustrating. It's frustrating because it's it's those they know what they're doing and they're losing games because because of it. And, and you'd think like there'd be something they would do to adjust for that they wouldn't. I mean, every single scrum they just immediately get pushed back. They don't. They never hold in. Not even like won a game. It doesn't feel like. And I think they got let off the hook, frankly, by Houston a bit throughout this particular game. I mean, I remember at least two times, maybe more, where Houston were feeding their own scrum. And it was maybe it was like at you know five meter attacking the scrum against Dallas's try line, and the scrum is just marching forward, and they get a foot from the try line, and this and then scrum that pulls it and and throws it wide, and now they have a yeah. goal line attack where it's like walk it forward and just score it. You don't you had an easy score. It's almost like he didn't realize they were allowed to just pick it up and touch it down. Uh, yeah. And I, I feel like that happened two or three times in the try line, maybe four or five times throughout the day where, where they pulled it from a scrum that was dominating and they took away their own advantage. Uh, all that negative stuff aside for the Jackals, I think their attack looks extremely sharp and well-developed. I think Carlsa has been one of the – he's had moments last year where he was, you know, one of the fantastic players in the Malar. I think he's really doing a great job here too. He, he, is, he may have, in my view, the best instincts at, at fly half right now in terms of – attacking himself with the ball and making something happen versus drawing a defender and like feeding a, a nice line that's coming in. He just seems to always make the right decision. Um, I think it's really helping the Jackals and goodness knows. I, I don't know how you could be so bad at the scrum and be so good in the mall against the same team, but they seem to march that mall with ease against Houston all day too. So whatever they need to spend less time in training on the mall and a little more in the scrum, maybe, I don't know, but I, I I think Dallas have a lot of potential. I think they're going to win some games. Um, last bit, you know, I don't know what happened at the end of that game, but that defense became extremely porous. I mean, they let two pretty easy tries in to lose at the end, which was a bit disappointing. And in I, I, retrospect, they made a lot of decisions that you understood why. They didn't want Houston to get a bonus point. I mean, they, they were doing things I think you would in isolation say were the right things. But in retrospect, they could have easily won that game. Like, Carosa had a scrum advantage to Dallas, uh, and the ball's knocked back like 10 meters. So they were way behind where the advantage would be over. And he kicked it away. It was like maybe three minutes left or something. I mean, he could have played that ball, and they still had a try lead at that point. So it would have been a win for Dallas. He could have played that ball for another two minutes, then took the whistle for the scrum, and that pretty much would have ended the game. I mean, that, that was close enough to the end where that would have effectively ended it as a Dallas win. Um, but instead he kicked it away. Houston scored two tries in the last few minutes and ended up winning. I will, I will say on that second to last try, they were basically down a man as Carlo Denishin was injured and came off immediately after that. Yeah, scrum hats don't count though as defensive players anyway. Yeah, they're not real people. Yeah, I mean, shout out to to the Dallas attack. It looks like that they're they're starting to click and getting something right. But it is weird, like you said, Craig. They went with a lot of experience. They didn't go with these big name billboard type of signings, right? Like they signed experienced players, um, and you know some guys that maybe on on the back nine. So it's strange to me that they're making these inexperienced type of mistakes, these these poor game management mistakes at the end. Um, so that one was really strange. Uh, and, yeah, I'm not sure. Those last two, I've watched them twice, and it's just – you're just kind of like – it's people always say, like, oh, who's going to make a play? But that goes for the defense as well. Like, is one of you going to, like, get in the right position to make a tackle and end this? And it was just like, I guess not. Um yeah, I mean, Dallas is one of those teams I think they'll be easy to root for for the rest of the season. I think they've got to they've got to have a, a heart-to-heart moment in the forwards room and, and kind of lock in what the plan is for the rest of the season with that scrum because they may need to go to, like, survival tactics, which 
it's hard as a competitor. I've I've been in a scrum that is walking in in survival tactics, but if you need, there's some times you need to check your ego and realize you know you gotta make a play that's best for the team. And then yeah, Houston, it's such a weird thing to to go from the lovable losers that everyone kind of root for and felt bad for to they're almost they're almost I dare say really easy to root against. I mean they're they're a team. <laughs> Their team built, they came in, they cleared shop. You know, they brought in the South African contingency and a bunch of Cal guys. And I'm like, how could you bring in like a less liked group of people all for one team? And I say that half those those dudes are my friends. I still give them shit because they're Cal guys. But like, I was like, did you guys do this on purpose? You like become the villain of the league? They they do have like a big fight starting Iceland from Mighty Ducks too sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is perfect. They are that team from Mighty Ducks. All right, John. Let me ask you this question because it was something I did notice going back to the scrum. You know, usually you'll see a team with a bad scrum kind of standing up, but I noticed Tucci specifically was actually having his legs off the ground. What do, you, what do you have to do to fix something like that? So, well, let's say Alex Alex is a, is a great friend of mine, uh, and I'll, I'll be not too critical. Like, Tucci's biggest thing, and I'll say this, and he knows this, he struggles with height. He's a tall prop, and he's a he has – he's like a long torso prop, so he can get moved very easily against some of the little more experience um, – um, and a little more wherewithal in there. He gets lucky if he gets leverage on someone, he's long and he's very strong. So if he can get it on someone, he locks in with his leverage is great. But you see it a lot with those long torso um, front rows. They can get, they get moved up and down a little bit differently. Um, with that one, it's all foot placement. And I'll say this, and if Tucci ever sees this, there is also something to say about the boots because – for whatever reason, that guy will not put studded boots on his feet. He wears moldeds. I don't know why. I've wanted to slap him upside the head for three years when we were teammates. But love the guy. But that's a, that's a little bit into it. But there's so much about your initial setup, that ang- the angle of your foot, the angle of your knee off that initial setup to the engage to where if you become recompressed, right, and that pressure comes through and your head's going straight down or – you're overextended, right? So you're like on the the ball of your toes, not the ball of your foot. Your knee is past 90, so you're over you're you're past 85 and you're into like overextended. Now your back's gonna bow and you're gonna nosedive. I mean it's when you watch those guys, it's it's like 10 to 15 degrees on that knee bend, knee and hip hip angle changes so much for those front rows. And Right. Same thing. It's all right. It's all one. I can't get my hands on this to show it properly. Right. <laughs> Once that changes, right, that look changes and you get a little too extended. Now what happens? Your lock starts riding up, right? Because that back of your leg becomes a 45. So now I'm riding up on you. So I'm actually even pushing you up even more or sometimes they'll overcorrect. And if you have a good lock, they'll push your knee back down which brings your ass down and kind of keeps you. In, that's a survivor thing. That's like you guys have scrummed together a lot and you feel it. Like I'll t- I've taken my hand, rotated my wrist down, and I'll drive his hamstring down to try to drop his butt and just keep him in like, shit, dude, it's our ball. Like we just yeah. got to survive for a second or let's just make this look really, really ugly and the ref can't make a call. Um but that takes a lot of experience. I, I, the Dallas guys are – I actually don't think they have a, an experienced second round. I may, be, I may not know the roster well enough. But I know they have some young guys and some older. But that's – I mean, you know, we hey, listen, we can have an entire podcast of talking about weird shit and scrums and lineouts. But it's, it's all set up, and it's all like that foot placement on your initial bind and your initial setup. All right, let's let's move on. We we'll talk a little bit more about Dallas coming up here in a minute. Uh, fifth game of the week, um, Austin beat Utah twenty four to ten. Um, offense finally got shut down a little bit. You know, Utah was showing their defense. 
is is capable. Um, they aren't always in a shootout, but their offense kind of took a step back. You know, Austin pretty much ruled the day here. You know, it was close until the last couple minutes, but they just in the end they couldn't keep it close this time. They didn't get a bonus point this time, so they still at the bottom of the standings. Craig, what'd you see? I say I saw a team in Austin that I think is playing, you know, with the best form in MLR right now. You know, I, I think Utah maybe had their best game too, but Austin just outclassed them a bit. Uh, you know, they were pretty relentless. Uh, they, they had they were attacking a lot of different angles. Uh, a lot of different players, you know, were, were running good good lines and making good plays. But really, I think more than anything, I'm, I'm actually still impressed with Austin's defense. Really, you know, we talked about this probably our first part of the season, how there was a lot of coaching changes, no preseason. Defense was likely to suffer, especially in the beginning, as it takes a little time to get used to playing with each other and, and kind of that feel of keeping a defensive line together. Um, Austin really the only team that are right now, in my view, playing – Good defense week in, week out. I mean, New England has been good. Uh, I thought this week a little not quite as impressive as week one. Uh, but look at Austin. You mean week one they held Dallas to seven points. Didn't seem that impressive week one because we didn't know who Dallas were. But, yeah, they've scored 30 points, you know, every, every, both games since. Uh, so Austin are winning, and they've, they've let up, what, like under 30 total points after three weeks, something like that. So uh, pretty impressive out of them. Tough for Utah. I mean, they've had a tough opening schedule for sure. Uh, uh, but again, I mean, it's it's a competitive league, and starting with three losses, and I think they only have one bonus point out of that, right? That's uh, um, a pretty tough start for Utah. So uh, you know, they they also don't have really much time to lose if they want to stay in this. They're going to have to start racking up some wins. Yeah, I mean, hats off to Austin. You you saw the the inklings of this last year i felt like like they were almost there and it looks like they they've they've made that step um yeah utah you know i was funny enough with these next two games i got to talk i talked with bailey and nate this week just to chat and talk some stuff and you know bailey i was talking to bailey a little more like friend to friend captain to captain like how you feeling, bro? Like, I've been there. Are you, are you doing all right? I know it sucks. But, like, um, I, I shared a thought with him, and, and you know, I, it feels to me Utah's in the same boat I mentioned earlier. They have not figured out one thing that they're really good at yet. It used to be, and I think it still kind of is. It's, it's, it's never going to go away. I, I don't believe it's so ingrained in the culture of, like, counterattack and the big play and, you know, that's – you think of the Utah Warriors, you're going to think counterattack, big play, right? Like that's part of the game, but um, it's not as much of a weapon this year, but you're also just not seeing, you're not seeing the physicality out of the forward pack on their carries this year that you're used to seeing. I mean, they're, they're not breaking the game line like normal. I mean, you're just not, you're just not seeing it and they look very frantic. They just look like they're kind of like, Almost like Craig, how you mentioned with Nola, like just kind of making it up and hoping something works. And okay, we'll try this and try that. Not, not really how our game plan or how it's going. We're just gonna try some shit and hope it works. And yeah, I mean, you just can't win in the MLR doing that anymore. It's just not gonna happen. So they've got to figure it out. I mean, they're you know they're probably they're gonna do some backline reshuffling, obviously because of um, the signing. Um, but I mean, they got to figure out their 10, you know, they lost, they don't have a starting quarterback and they keep trying stuff out and it's not working. You're going to struggle until you find that out, but hats off to Austin. Like I said, I mean, they, they'd been that stout defense even last year, but they just could not, could not find points on the board to, to make up for it. So I think that's just continuing. And now they, they found a little bit on attack and, um, yeah, I'm, I am. The West is the West is weird. I am excited to see <laughs> see what ha- what is happening. To, to put this Since in context, the Austin is top of the table. The West is weird. The, the Austin point differential right now is plus ninety five. 
The next best in all of MLR is Atlanta with plus 33. Just to give you a sense. And Atlanta lost. How dominant uh, Austin have been so far. Let's let's note to any new viewers and new people to the league, Austin went two years in a row in this league not winning a game. That was the Austin elite. Uh, The Austin Gilgronis have never been through that. (laughs) So maybe changing maybe the two name changes of one year was actually a good thing. <laughs> Gil Gil is the Gil Chris is the new voodoo doll. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last game of the weekend from last week. And everybody's favorite mascot is is on the show. Rocky the Seawolf. Rocky. Oh God. <laughs> Rocky, we love you. Yeah. Um but you know, in another game of the week type of performance, you know, I, I think that actually, I think that's showing the level of MLRs rising year to year. You don't, you don't have as many blowouts as we used to, well, at least in the first couple of weeks. Um, Seattle beat San Diego thirty-one to twenty-eight. Very good game. You know, literally the scoring difference was a penalty kick. Um, AJ Alatimo was was the winning was the winning player there. Um, you know, for San Diego, you had Joe Peterson, uh, Nate Augsburger with two, and Matt Moulds for Seattle. Um, record Hatting and Tavita Lopetti both had two tries. Um, Lopetti, unfortunately, went down at the end. I have not heard anything from from that camp about him, so we'll see about this upcoming week. But it was a good game overall. John, what do you think? Yeah, that was a great game. This was um, probably one of the few I got to sit down. We got um, almost 60-degree weather here in Iowa on Sunday and ran a little impromptu touch session with a couple local clubs here in Des Moines and then went and had a little watch party for this game. So this one I watched very sporadically while having beers and talking a bunch of rugby nonsense with the boys. Uh, but it was a great game. Uh, I, I, I may, I may be in the minority here. I actually thought San Diego outplayed them, and they just happened to give up just two ridiculously straight through the line tries and one, you know, pretty legit counterattack try. But I mean, you know. I'm not gonna name a lot. I'm not gonna name names here, but let's call a spade a spade. You let a you let a twelve literally just take a crash ball off of a ten and run straight through the hole in your back line off of set piece. Like we need to we need to have a little a little pride check in that center pairing that you're just gonna let them run through. And then Nate's like, "Oh man, I missed that tackle." I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, he had already broke through the line at full speed. That everyone gave him the old, you know, old smack on the ass on the way by." So, I mean, good for him if he instilled his dominance that much into the game that running hand a hands crash line, he just ran through like the stud twelve you have in high school rugby that you just give him the ball and let him win you a game, but. Yeah, that, that can't happen. But I actually still think, even on top of that, I thought San Diego outplayed them throughout the game. But you have a crazy try by Lopetti, a crazy try by Hatting, and a penalty at the end, and, and that's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, you've never been an underdog. You've all, like, what? The fact that you guys think you're underdogs is insane. <laughs> also... I just listen. I'm biased. All right, they're all my friends. I started my entire career in Seattle, but it's just nauseating. They're like the Patriots. Okay, they've won enough. Like I don't care that they get good. Scared uh, <laughs> Rocky off, Johnny. I love. Listen, I love Rocky. I've met the guy. He's a good dude. I love all the people up there. But like, they're Seattle fans. They're Seattle sports fans. They're annoying. The seawall chant is annoying. Everything they do is just annoying, and they win. So, yeah, I am openly a hater of my old team. <laughs> well, hey, at least we you have something in common with Aaron. He he doesn't think they're underdogs either. <laughs> they're not underdog. They had one bad season. Well, I think uh, I mean, it's, who's the only having a good season? Lopetti and Hattie are both having monster years right now. 
I mean, you know, probably some defensive failings in this particular contest, but man, those two guys have been on fire. I mean, Hatting, I think, looks as good as I've ever seen him in all the years of MLR. I mean, he looks both sides of the ball. He's everywhere. He seems to be involved. I mean, his work rate must be incredible for an A. He seems to be involved in, you know, two of every three plays. Uh, if this keeps up, and I don't know the dude's personality stuff, I've, you know, I've met him in a, a formal, semi-unformal manner, we've gotten along fine. But, like, if that dude is not in a USA jersey this summer, like, what are we doing? Yeah, agreed. I think he will be, too. Uh, I mean, he was uh, he was named in the long list last time, right? Just didn't actually ever get called into camp, if, I, if I'm remembering. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but, he, I mean, they're, he's having a monster year. And, really, like, I feel like Seattle has a bunch of career years going on at the same time over there. Um, so, I mean, they look dangerous. They, they have a lot of good things happening. This is a win away from Starfire. So, you know, sometimes they've struggled with that. Uh, this yeah. is, again, a, you know, West Coast rival to another OG franchise uh, who played, to John's point, they, they played pretty well this game. I mean, they came ready to play. They came out with a lead. I mean, Joe Peterson, you know, had a highlight real try early in the game. Uh, they came to play, uh, and they kept, you know, Seattle kept kind of building a lead, and then San Diego would answer and draw it real close, and Seattle would take another try, and, and San Diego would answer. Um, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, they the visiting team was able to win that back-and-forth battle. Uh, so I think, you know, it's going to be – I'm, I'm really excited about the West. I think these both these teams look good. They look like they can beat anyone on any given day. Great to see Seattle winning away from Starfire, which to me is a as much of a bona fide as their first two wins at home were. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. We, we got we got some tough teams in the West. Uh, looking forward to you know a Seattle Austin matchup sometime in the future. I'll make, I'll make my take because I already said it to someone else, but I I could see I can see San Diego being the Utah of last year. If they start clicking and things start going together with their firepower, their explosiveness, the playmakers that they have, if they they need a, a couple little things to click, right, they could be that team late in the season that nobody wants to see. My, my worry with San Diego is that I feel like all of their biggest difference makers are, are on the older side, you know, and you wonder yeah. are they hold up for the whole season. I mean, look at the people who – we're difference makers this game. Peterson, I don't know, 40. I mean, he's very old. Uh, David Tamalau, Tavita Tamalau played a great game, but he's injury prone. He's old. He's a big guy, you know, runs hard. And yeah, he, he, takes, he takes a lot of hits. Yeah. Nate, I mean, uh, Nate Augsburger is getting up there. Uh, even, obviously, Manu, actually, I don't think was that big of a contributor, but he's old. Uh, he could be a contributor. Rob Shaw has been injured every two minutes he plays in, in San Diego. So you, you worry that, at least I worry that, they're going to have trouble down the stretch because they're going to they're gonna lose a couple of those cogs, and then we'll see what they can actually do. Um, yeah, that's, I, I'll, I say asterisks, right? If they are health, they, if they're healthy, that's that, if they're not healthy, then yeah, I'm completely wrong. Hot take is cold as ever. If they're healthy down that stretch and it clicks, they're going to be – you don't want to play them late. I, I will add, um, this past summer, both Riekert played against England and Ireland, and then Tavito Lopetti did as well. You know, it was actually his introduction to, to higher-level rugby. I thought, you know, he did pretty, he did very well considering he was coming straight from the college game. He was the most, he was the most impressive person on the field this summer. The kid walked off of St. Mary's rugby field and into a test match and was out there banging with the big boys. The yeah. dude is going to be a monster. And he's a great defender, too, for a center. I mean, he's yes. out there big plays in open fields. Love, love what Petty's doing right now. Yeah, I'm all about that guy. I, I, I would like to see Rieker get a little more. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he played against England and Ireland, but I want to see I want to see a little more. And then he, he also got a red card against Ireland, too. Yeah, well, shit happens. True. Uh, as as we move on from this segment, we'll just leave John with this. Um, sorry, wrong one. We'll leave John. We'll leave John with this comment. 
John needs a rocket drive. Rocky, I will be up there all week late late this May for the um, all army, all armed forces tournament. I'll be up there. We'll be at the game. I'll hug Rocky. I don't dislike Rocky. I just have a slight disdain for all things <laughs> Seattle. The classic slight. I actually like that place a lot. It's just built in me as a former Seattle player and then a Utah player of our weird hidden rivalry between the two of the teams that you just, yeah, I don't know. Right. Let's move on to the discussion topic. We talked a little bit about it earlier, but just from the the scary start to the beginning of the season where they, you know, they scored seven points and then did nothing and then threw a scare into San Diego and should have beaten Houston. What do, what do we think of the Dallas Jackals so far? Yeah. I'm 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 positive on their development. Here, let's let me put it this way. There are gonna be two teams that finish lower on the overall full MLR table in them. Ooh. Two teams. Two teams. They will be no no lower than third from last. I don't know, I'm not saying exactly which it'll be. Probably one of them will be old glory, maybe Nola, Toronto. We'll we'll see. Uh, but that's my prediction. They they come in no no worse than third from last. Hmm. That's a hot take. I, I'm positive. I'm positive too because I think they are playing well. Even like that Austin game got real ugly, but that was also first game. They did not have a lot of time together. They got dudes coming in from all over the world. That you know. They're still figuring out their culture. They're like they didn't have a coach. They didn't have their coaching staff. Like their GMs filling in. They had, you know, it was, it was rough. It's it's been a rough start to that franchise's beginning, right? Between last year and this year, but like they're they're playing well. They just their set pieces struggle. Their scrum is struggling because the lineup, like you said, the lineup the mall is actually probably on par with the rest of the league. I don't know the stats, but. Scrum struggling defensively, they're struggling, which is the most difficult piece to get right when you come from all over different backgrounds and not enough time together. You can get guys to to get real quick, sling the ball around, find space, throw some tips, throw some offloads, score some tries. Like guys can just do that. To to gel on defense, that takes a minute. That's that's going to take a while for them to get down. But I mean, their learning curve is not going to be what we saw with you know, some of the other early teams in, in the league's development. But, no, I'm positive. I, I was going to be less marginally less nice than Craig. I was going to say second to last for this year. But, I, I mean, you know, outside, outside of that room where you have to have true belief and, and fight and competitiveness, it's not like anyone thought they were going to come in with the signings that they had, like kick the leak, kick the door down. It was like, okay, they're, they're, they're bringing in a certain type of person and a certain type of player. This is going to be a slow build for Dallas. And that, and that could be a great thing, especially if there's, if there's more under the surface, we don't see with academies and what they're doing with the local unions and schools. And, you know, I have no idea. I'm, I'm just being positive, but um, yeah, I think it'll be a slow build, but it's going to be a, Tell you right now, for those players, they don't give a shit about the slow build. It's going to be a frustrating. It is going to be a frustrating three months. I promise you that. But I think the future will be bright for the front office. Definitely. Um, let me. Add, I'll just. I just want to add on something real quick. Just touch on a topic. It became a major point of contention in the Reddit match thread. Um, TML, especially in this game, I think it was called close to ten times in total. I know some of them were pretty legit. You know, Lobachon's um, elbow, he got he got red carded and got three weeks suspension for it. A um, couple of them were questionable. Um, the one Dallas try was pretty questionable for me. I don't know if it was because we just weren't seeing all of the angles or if that one was a makeup call. There was also Mo Abdomalum. Um, I mumble his last name, unfortunately. Um, getting a yellow card. So... What, what like we we all have been clamoring for TMO. We've all seen it in action three weeks. What are we thinking? Was what, who is who is the the sir? Was he a, like an American? It was normal? Scott Green. Hmm. Well, I'd say I would hold Scott Green to a higher standard than. Uh, I was going to make a case of 
maybe a younger, newer American ref who's never even had the luxury of TMO. And since they got it, they may have overused it. Um, you know what I mean? Like some of these guys that are still developing, uh, I'd, I'd probably hold Scott Green to a little higher candle than that. But I think in this case, a few times the TMO called himself in, right? Like it wasn't Scott Green calling the TMO. The TMO was like, hey, Scott. Oh, yeah, if that was happening. Yeah, it, it was about 50-50 Scott calling um, the TMO, calling down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's the policy on that? I mean, is there any, there's no policy, right? It's not like you can limit what the TMO calls down. Yeah. And in this case, they're not, I don't know if this is true in Dallas, but I think it was. And generally, that the on field referee is not seeing the screen. Like there's no shared screen like there is in Six Nations or whatever. So they kind of just have to take the TMO's orders too. They can't, they can't voice their own opinion. They're just hearing what the TMO says and then making that ruling. Uh, oh, so they, they they can't see. Um, what if they call up to the TMO? Can they see what they're in most fields now? Dallas would be doing. There's a first Dallas game. I don't remember if Scott Green was looking at the screen, but in most fields, there's no like jumbotron where he can look and see the replay. So they just call oh. a TMO. TMO gives them a ruling, and they make that I, rule. Mo, I would, more fields. I think there's more fields that have it that don't. Maybe they can't play it on the Jumbotron then, but if you watch most of the time, the referee is not looking at any screen. He's just waiting for the TMO to give him a ruling. Um, oh, so okay. that, that makes it extra hard, I think, for them to push back. Like, I got like, is it, TMO's like, I have a video, you can't see it, but I'm telling you this happened. What is the guy going to do? He's like, okay, I guess it's a, it's a card. I, you know, I, you kind of have to go with it. I, I mean, I, the worst thing you want is wrong calls that decide games, of course, and you want to punish foul play even if, it happens, if no one notices it. Beyond that, my personal taste would be for them to leave out the TMO. You know, this is not a, a crucial play and no one was hurt. There's nothing cynical. I would say TMO probably shouldn't be bursting in, but overall, like you said, we're new to having the TMO in this league. I think we'll work those kinks out. I'm glad we have it. And if, you know, if it takes – a little bit for them to get into form too, just like the teams. I can live with that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Weird, yeah. very perfect. Yeah, it's you know I, I'm agree. <laughs> I'm gonna agree with with Punkus Arnett. You know, it is limited by the camera work and what they have in ways to review. So. That's why you wonder that I for Dallas because they're what we were seeing. There didn't look like there's any evidence of a try, right? So it, it, you got the sense the team had some other video access that we weren't seeing. But again, it could be, even be different stadium to stadium. Who knows? Yeah, and it, and it has to be. And then if that is then keyed up through the stadium jumbotron person that they could play it that quickly, what they're seeing. I mean, I, I guess it's that two steps forward, one step back thing. Like, okay, do you do you make the big push that everyone gets a jumbotron? They're in stadium. Um, you know, video operators in sync with the TMO, like everywhere else in the world, or do we have iPad? I mean, come on. Do we have? Yeah, I was, just, I was, so I was literally just doing that. Get can we get an iPad handed to the head official on the field, and he's seeing the exact same thing? You know, like again, yeah. I don't do I don't do admin for the league. Sucks for those guys. Figure it out. Castro. <laughs> All right, you know, let, let's move on. Um, big news of the week, especially for Utah, the return of Paul Lasique after the Six Nations is finished. John, what do you think he brings to the team? And, you know, from playing with him for a season, what what, what kind of player, what kind of guy is he? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, you know, no uh, secret of the physicality and the ball-carrying ability that he'll bring. Um, and as well as leadership, um, and just, uh, the senior presence into the locker room and in the field and with the guys, um, Paul, Paul's a great dude, man. He, he's just a solid guy, good teammate, you know, just, I mean, as like, I don't know how much reference this has everywhere else in the country, but like as typical of a Kiwi BYU grad type of rugby player that you could be around, like just good, nice, you know, soft-spoken dude, does his job, works hard, 
runs like he wants to end people's family lineage and bloodlines and hits the same way and then, you know, is playing with his kids on the sideline right after. So great dude. Um, you know, I'm and I listen, I love I love Paul to death, but I also have followed Paul over across the pond and I want nothing but the best for the guy and I hope he comes in ready to, you know, put people's spines into different directions, but I'm also hoping that this is a healthy Paul that yeah. gets off that off that that plane. And that's that's my worry. A healthy Paul is gonna cause some problems. Um an in and out an in and out Paul with injury for the rest of the season is you know that are you are you are you getting better with that? I don't know. If I, if not like I listen, if I'm sitting in Kimball's chair and, and I get a call that Paul wants to come back, yeah, he's hundred percent coming back no matter what. But I, I'm just I'm I'm damn hoping it's a healthy Paul and he's pumped up and ready to play. No. Yeah, I mean I, I obviously I think it's great for Utah and the league to have Paul CK back. I hope it's great for Paul CK, you know, he's a an eagle, he's uh, you know, a fan favorite, I mean, one of my favorites. Um, you know, you get an overseas contract in, in the premiership, and that's a big thing. It's a big deal. It's a, it's a career advancement. You hope he's coming back because he wants to be closer to home and he believes in MLR and he wants to play in the USA, not because he fell out of favor, whether it's injury or just, you know, play quality or whatever. And, you know, he, he didn't have an, an opportunity to stay in the premiership for his sake. I hope that's not the case because uh, I want to see him succeed. For MLR's sake, you know, it's great to have a Paul CK back. Uh, certainly great for whoever has him, assuming he can play. Um, and I look forward to seeing him, you know, week in, week out in a USA. Uh, you know, I guess the ultimate dream uh, for the American is that these players all want to come back and play MLR and really develop the national team and the domestic league. So I'll, I'll choose to be optimistic now and, and assume that's what this is about. And uh, in that case, I'm thrilled. You know, I think it's great news for MLR. You know, he's coming back. He grabbed that opportunity that was handed to him, played overseas, had had a good couple of games. Unfortunately, he wasn't you know, you mentioned the injuries. He got bit by the injury bug a little bit, wasn't able to perform to his highest level, but still was able to show out a little bit. We're, we're all welcoming him back. So let's move on to this week's games. There are only five games this week. We have three teams on a bye. NOLA, Rugby ATL, and Utah are all on a bye this week. So first game up Saturday. 4 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, NBC Sports Washington, and TSN. Old Glory DC hosting Toronto. Battle of the bottom. Frank, who you got? Well, Toronto's just one now. So, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. It's tough uh, Tough to pick Old Glory where they're playing, even at home. Uh, so... I mean, for me, I need to see a little more on the defensive side uh, until before I can pick them comfortably. I'm, I'm going to say Toronto by eight. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm right there with you. It's, I just haven't seen enough from Old Glory. These, these usually aren't games that Toronto loses. I mean, they, they, they've they lost some games, but they've clearly it's it's kind of come out. They've lost to some pretty good teams. Um, I gotta, I'm probably going to contradict my super brew picks because I always pick way too early in the week because I get antsy. Um, I'm so I'll go. I'll go Toronto by a try, by a try by seven. Uh, just to be different, and just because I'm from the DC area, I'll go DC by two. I, I think you know Toronto has shown they they can play. DC has started to show they can play. We'll see which team actually shows up. I think. DC is looking to get, you know, don't want to lose on their home turf again. I think it'll be another close one. I, I feel like we going into week one, Josh, you made a, a very humble pick of that sort for Houston to beat LA. You were like, I'll be different. I'll say Houston's going to beat LA. No, then, that was my stupid upset pick of the week. This is well, just me. <laughs> this is just me playing with my picking with my heart instead of my brain. All right. Um, I, I think your picks, you know, I, I, I take uh, take stock in your long shot picks here. I, I will say I 
I am top 10 in our Super Brew pool, by the way. Um, I, I came very close to picking the correct score of the New England OGDC game. So that was that was fun. Um, next up, probably the game of the week, if not game of the season, Austin at Seattle on Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, Root Sports, and KBVO. John, your favorite matchup who you got? <laughs> Remember, um, Rocky's watching. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to do it. I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening the way they're playing at Starfire night game. If I'm not correct, if I'm, yeah. if I am, uh, five o'clock kickoff. Yeah, that'll be night up there in Seattle. So yeah, night game under the lights in Starfire. Um, yeah, I'm taking the. I'm actually taking Seattle by ten. Whoa. I don't think Austin's going to score enough points. Rookie, get that gear. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to – I'm going to asterisk this. I'm going to – I'll drop it to five depending on um, injury report for Seattle. Yeah. Uh, well, that's – I still think they win regardless, but he, he'll give them one more try. I'm I'm surprised. I'm shocked by your your margins here. If anything, I'm gonna go Austin. Uh, I just think they're they're playing the best in the league right now. Uh, maybe on both sides of the ball, individually best in the league. So I'm gonna say Austin by six. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go Austin too. You know the um, the offense is definitely there. The defense is there. We'll see which Seattle team shows up. Like John said, see w- what the injury report says. Um, I'm going to go Austin by three. I think it'll be a very competitive game. Maybe similar to their game against, uh, excuse me, maybe similar to Seattle's game against um, San Diego where it's, you know, it's a one penalty kick difference. So that's what I think it comes down to. And then third game, also an 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff on the Rugby Network. Once again in Dallas, hosting Rugby New York, scrum, Scrum strength against scrum weakness. Craig, who you got? Uh, so I've every, every New York game so far, I've picked against New York and they're 2 0. Uh, so I'm gonna, I think, flip it up this time, even though I think Dallas is playing well. Uh, you know, New York went down to Houston and won, went down to Atlanta and won. This should be their easiest contest of the year so far. Uh, I mean, Dallas, I think, are trending up. Um, but again, you know, soon they don't do something crazy. Like sometimes New York, I feel like comes out with just some crazy lineup where they rest half the team. You know, anything crazy like that aside, I think New York should have the edge here. I'm going to say New York by eight. Yeah. Same thing. I, I think New York is going to ask way more questions of Dallas and Houston did. Like you watch Houston play, they, they play to the style that you would expect for their roster. Um, I think New York adds a whole different dimension and they're going to purposefully attack that scrub and just be kicking. They're just going to steal so many yards. I, I, I don't, I actually don't think this one's close with Dallas coming off the tough loss. Um, I'm going to say same thing, New York by 14. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing, Craig. I know you mentioned ATL scrum had as a strength earlier. Um, I actually saw them back going backwards on a few occasions against New York. So I, I combining that with Dallas walking backwards against Houston last week, I just I don't see how they're unless they batten down the hatches and go go to emergency situations like John said, I I I'm going New York by twelve. I think it'll definitely be that two digit two try score scoring margin. All right. National game of the week this week on Fox Sports two Saturday at nine PM Eastern at Aviva Stadium. San Diego's first road game of the year against Houston. This one, I, I think this one's probably tough to call. You know, you have Houston showing that they can do stuff. You have San Diego showing that you can do stuff. Depends on which team shows up again. I think we, I think you could say that for any game, but truly depends on which team shows up for both of them. Um, just based on form, I'm going to take Houston by five. Yeah, I was good. Good. This one was my toughest one. On the the next one is pretty tough. Um, I'm just biased, but 
this one was my toughest one to pick because they're both very eerily similar in their results and why those results happened. Um, yeah, I, I still I don't even remember what I picked online, but I'll go. Mm, I'm, I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Houston by two. Yeah, this is a this is a spicy one. Uh, I I think I'm gonna give it to Houston as well. I yeah, they're home. I they, you know for better or worse, they are two and one. Yeah, they have the same record, but uh, yeah, they're like a big feisty. They're in Iceland. They're in Iceland, and uh, I think especially at home that that can be tough to deal with the physicality and the intensity of that nonstop. Especially when San Diego is, I think, less of a physical team, a little more of a skill-oriented team. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to go Houston as well. I'm going to say – but I think it's – yeah, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to say Houston by three. And then final game of the week on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network. First game of the year in the Coliseum, the L.A. Giltinis hosting the New England Free Jacks. Does – Matt Gitto make his regular – does he make his debut? The or is he still in – who knows? Yeah, I mean, how many Gittos are, are the guilty is going to score this week? <laughs> Man, it was a tough one too. I, I'm going to go to L.A. Um, you know, long trip for New England. Uh, L.A. is coming off a bye, so they may have had some time to, you know, fine-tune some of the, the deficiencies in that attack. Uh, and, yeah, obviously they, they had a good second half – uh, you know, last two weeks ago when they last played, uh, when they distanced themselves like Toronto, right? That they played that week. Um, so you know, I think it'll be close though. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say LA by four. Yeah, this one was tough for me. Obviously, New England's not gonna bring the same physicality just out of the gate week one, like Houston kind of brought to LA in that game. Um, this one is tough. This one is one of those two. I wish I wish we could see the rosters before making this pick because, yeah, I think obviously Matt Gitto does make a difference. Uh, I want to pick the different team, but I'm going to pick LA at home by three. But I don't. I want to be wrong. I'll pick, I'll be I'll be the difference. I'll I'll pick I'm gonna have no problem picking New England. I just based on form for me, you know, New England's look strong. They went down to Nola, beat Nola in Nola, went down to DC, beat DC in DC. Let's see if they can make it three for three. I'm gonna take New England by three. And they beat the two zero and three teams that have, they're not within two trucks. I guess New England with a point of winning, but yeah, all right, good. I mean, I I hope New England win. Just because I like to see the front runner defending champion, you know, get banged up a bit, uh, and that would make for a great New York New England showdown in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Uh, one question tonight from Life Luck. I always say it too fast and always mess it up. From Life Love Rugby on Twitter, have your shield predictions changed since we made them a couple weeks ago? Well, considering Utah were my pick and they're 0-3, uh, yeah, I, that's going to have to change, I suppose. Uh, I'm My shield pick right now is Austin. Again, Josh, your picks have just your, – your proclamations have delivered early in the season. Who did I, I pick New England, I think, right, as my shield? Yeah. I think you did, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I, it's very hard. It, it's a very – yeah, it's not a huge confidence one because, yeah, their wins are against the 0-3 teams currently. And we'll see. This week will this week we'll say a lot. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sticking with it for now until there's a reason not to. Yeah, I, obviously sticking with Austin, you know they've shown out. I made that, made that underdog pick for the Shield. But my Eastern Conference pick wasn't turning out so hot. I think I picked Toronto as my Eastern Conference pick. So, well – See what ha- we'll see if they can get it moving there. But I had, I had higher hopes for them too. Yeah, I think I had higher. I mean, hopes they had a t- they've, that's been a tough 
intro to the season. I'm sure uh, this week they probably write the ship. Yeah. All right. We'll leave John with this comment since he said he's going to be at the Armed Forces Tournament. We got a listener. will be a photographer there. He yeah. Do that. Sweet. All right. Look for the cat. Look for the cat. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt and following along with us for the past couple of years. We will continue to do our best to provide you with great MLR coverage. Um, once again, my name is Joshua Fredland. You can find me at Josh Fred in Lead Speak on Twitter. I'm joined by Craig Gertelli at MM Fly Half. And John Collin, you can find him at Johnny Utah 456. As for Earful of Dirt, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Earful of Dirt. Thank you all for listening. Good night. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. <laughs>